say his name, or rather, don't. Today I'm talking about the new Candyman. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. friends welcome to scott self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i am talking about uh, the new Candyman, which is uh, produced and partially written by jordan peele and then directed by nia DaCosta, who's actually going to be directing the new marvels movie so it's the captain marvel sequel so very excited about that wanted to see uh, kind of what she would do with something like this and it was fantastic so without further ado let's get started in the realm of black american horror Candyman has a complicated legacy on the one hand, it was important for Tony Todd to portray a terrifying horror villain to join the pantheon of slasher villains like Jason, Michael Myers, and Freddy Krueger. On the other hand, as the documentary Horror Noir pointed out, it has some messy implications. For instance, why is a black man who was wronged by a town of racists killing people in a predominantly black apartment building or operating as their lethal urban legend? Which brings us to the 2021 reboot, sequel, or reimagining that decides to give its titular villain a deeper purpose. 27 years after the events of the first film, Candyman picks up with the visual artist Anthony McCoy, who is in a creative rut. But after hearing about the murders at Cabrini Green and the story of Candyman, McCoy is unexpectedly inspired and begins painting and creating with incredible fervor. However, his enthusiasm may have given Candyman the voice and avenue he needed to work his way back into our world. So I really like this. I was a fan of the original, but the perspective both of the lead character and the writer-director always felt a little off. And the 2021 edition fixes those problems while adding some creative flourish. First and foremost, we have layered social commentary. There's a lot of ideas thrown about in this movie in not-so-subtle ways. The first is an examination of black Americans creating art out of pain. While Anthony is, by his own admission, struggling to create new art and get pieces into shows, the reactions from the predominantly white gatekeepers are... telling. A gallery owner guides McCoy towards Cabrini Green because Southside of Chicago is played out, and later a critic calls McCoy's work shallow with a ton of loaded language and then has a change of heart when McCoy and his work suddenly becomes a household name which in turn means McCoy is finally given the validation for his work via Candyman's violence. He leans into it, even though it threatens to consume him. There's a ton of ideas about culture, art, and race that blend really well into this horror setup. And then we get to Candyman himself. The other reason this movie works so well is what Candyman represents. This film views Candyman through two related but slightly different perspectives. The first is Candyman as a coping mechanism for collective trauma. As it's described early on by a former Cabrini Green resident, Candyman is how people made sense of all the senseless violence that came to their people, whether it was police brutality, racism, poverty, all of which is in the midst of being papered over via gentrification. Which brings us to the idea that I love, which is Candyman as Cabrini Green's vengeful past. Much like films like Poltergeist would use an ancient burial ground as code for papering over a location's sins, Candyman operates in this film partially as a spirit of vengeance against those that perpetuate and ignore the racist violence and the policy that buried and continues to bury black people in poverty and oppression. Hence, say his name has dual meaning. Bring Candyman and why he exists in the first place to light. 
And also, Nia DaCosta directed the shit out of this movie. I knew I was in for a treat from the opening credits, because not only because the cinematography was fantastic, but the colors are so crisp and well-defined. And because of how much visual imagination and background detail DaCosta throws into every shot, we get glimpses of Candyman's jacket and silhouette in reflective surfaces just before a bloody kill, or we get two to three misdirects before the actual Candyman attack. Or, in my personal favorite, it looks like the scene is over, and then it isn't as the camera pulls out. That tension of death being around every corner is palpable once Candyman arrives and never leaves, and the actors in DaCosta's direction make the exposition and personal confrontations feel oppressively and oppressive and nerve-shredding. And because Jordan Peele had a hand in the script, we also get perfectly timed bits of humor to cut the tension from Nathan Stewart Jarrett as Troy. This movie made me very excited to see what DaCosta would do for her Marvel movie. The verdict is it's a great reimagining. Visually stunning and loaded with ideas, Candyman is creepy and purposeful. This has been Scott's Off Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Off Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.